Red light, green light. I'm really, really sad. Everything is great, and still I'm sad. Summer's here. The sun is shining and my flowers are blooming and I take pleasure from those things. I upload a photograph of my flowering magnolia to the plant group I joined on Facebook because I'm so proud. But beneath it, still, I'm sad. There's nothing wrong, but still, I'm sad. No matter how much I tell myself that it's not my fault, I can't control it. This sadness is not a response to my life or my circumstances or the weather. I feel guilty as if my sadness is in some way indicative of how ungrateful I am, how little I recognize my own privilege. I talk about it sometimes to people I love and who I know love me, but other times I don't. What is there to say? I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of trying to explain what it feels like to wake up and feel like someone has died. That sinking pit of grief in the center of your chest when we both know that no one has died. Nothing is wrong. Still, I'm sad. Guilt is not the only offshoot of this sadness. There's also fear. I'm afraid that my sadness will drive people away. Surround yourself with positive people who uplift you and help you become your best self. Haven't we all read some iteration of this on Instagram or on Pinterest or in whatever self-help book we have, maybe against our better judgment, decided to read? I could not honestly tell you that I'm a positive person. I'm not sure I'm capable of uplifting others. I doubt I could help anyone become their best self. Why would anyone want to spend time with me when I'm so sad? What am I bringing to the table? I'm a ghost, an imaginary friend taking up space with no real contribution of my own. A car pulls up outside the house. Are we expecting someone, Brandon asks, holding the baby who is enthusiastically pulling on his chest hair. We're not expecting anyone, but the idea that this could be an impromptu visitor is out of the question. People don't just show up at your door in the year of our Lord 2023. That's not entirely true. If my mom lived nearby, she would show up at my door. I was just on my way to the shops, she'd say, and I thought I should call in and chance it maybe you'd be home. I'm almost always home. I'd make tea and I'd rummage around to see what I could offer her. I don't keep biscuits in the house here, but I have some chocolate in the fridge, some Ritz crackers in the pantry. That would be enough. We would sit and drink tea and she would dandle the baby on her nap and admire the garden and probably tell me how to prop up my clematis or that the flowers I think are growing in my flower beds are weeds after all. She would stay for dinner or not if she had plans at home. Philip's mixing... Philip's making Mexican pork chops, maybe, or Philip's at a committee meeting. He's in a society that makes home-built light aircraft. They have committee meetings. I wouldn't mind her showing up unannounced, because that's what we do in our family. We show up unannounced. We set another place at the table. But this is not my mother coming over for tea and gardening advice and maybe dinner. This is a man and a woman. They're well-dressed. He looks like he irons his ties. She carries a small leather purse nestled in the crook of her arm. Her hair is neatly tied up in a bun. They both wear glasses. It's the Jehovah's Witnesses, I tell Brandon, as they begin to walk up our front path. I see them on the doorbell camera preparing to press the button. The dog barks at the sound of it, runs to the door. The baby wriggles out of his dad's arms and follows. Don't answer it, Brandon says. In secondary school, I collected for Trochera each year. I didn't do the sponsored silence or the sponsored fast because I simply wasn't able for either of them. So instead I stood at traffic lights and shook buckets and asked drivers through rolled down windows if they could spare some change. We stood at the lights at Newlands Cross. There were lights then, before they built the overpass at the Red Cow, for hours. It seems unfathomable to me now that children would stand on a busy, multi-lane road and shake buckets, but we did it with varying levels of success. The majority of people said, no, I don't have any change, I'm sorry, not today, sorry, 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 sorry. There were those who threw whatever they could find in the centre console into our plastic buckets, and then there were those who simply ignored us. They would stare straight ahead and refuse to make eye contact. We would smile and shake, 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 and still they'd pretend they couldn't see us. 
It was not a good feeling being ignored by other human beings. Sometimes, when I'd get three, four, or five of those blinkered drivers in a row, I would wonder if I'd died without realising it. Did I get hit by a car? Am I a ghost? So I opened the door to the Jehovah's Witnesses, holding Vinnie back by his collar. Atlas hovers in the background, probably expecting it to be a delivery of Indian takeaway for his lunch. We say hello and we smile and they say hello to both the dog and the baby and then the woman says to me, we're just here to share a few words from the Bible. There's a pause as she waits for me to say yes or no, to stand and listen or to shut the door in her face, to stare directly in front of me as I wait for the green light and permission to drive off at speed. Thank you so much, I say, but I'm Irish. I've had enough of the Bible to last me a lifetime. I may be sad, but I still manage to retain a debonair wit. Well, she says, neither amused nor put off by my humour. There are four very salient points from this particular piece of scripture. Honestly, thank you, but no thank you, I tell them. We're all still smiling, but I hope you have a good day. You have a good day too, she tells me, and just before I shut it, I hear her add, and thank you for opening the door. My sister and I have a fight. It starts off innocuously in, honestly, incongruent surroundings. We're lying on deck chairs at her pool in 30 degree heat and I say something that makes her angry and then, because I am honestly teetering on the emotional edge, I get angry at the fact that she's angry. Why are you getting so annoyed with me, I ask her, somewhat disingenuously, because I realise right after I've said the thing that I said that it was the wrong thing to say and the wrong time to say it, although I'm not sure there would be a right time. I can't cope with this and I tell her as much. I'm just going to go, I say dramatically, and begin to stuff my things, my book, my phone, my sunscreen, into my beach bag and buckle my shoes and all the while she's protesting without uttering the words, don't go, stay. I want her to tell me to stay because that will contain the promise that things will be fine. We'll figure it out. We just need some time to cool off. Instead, she says, you're actually leaving? Fine, go, just go. I stride down to my car. These are the moments I would love to be able to teleport, just those few feet, because there's nothing more embarrassing than someone watching you walk away from an argument, and pull on my shirt dress and get in and think, I probably shouldn't drive this upset, but sitting in the driveway would be unhinged, so I turn on the engine and I drive away. My house is seven minutes drive from hers, and I'm probably five minutes away when I pull into a church car park and drive back. I'm sobbing now, wailing in a way that I wouldn't let myself if I wasn't properly alone, with the windows rolled up, but I'm also thinking through what'll happen if I drive the next two minutes all the way home and don't go back and figure this thing out. I'll sit at home and I'll stare at my phone and I'll wonder who's going to break the silence, and even though it's always her, I'm not sure I can rely on that knowledge this time. We'll have no dinner, as we were meant to eat at hers, bar the large pavlova I made as our contribution. Bo, nine, will be devastated. Pavlova is his favourite. I do a U-turn in front of the large, light-up, revive sign outside the church, and I drive slowly back up the driveway, feeling sick but also foolish, and it's as if I'm rewinding the clock, walking back to the pool, sitting down in the deck chair and unpacking my things. We both apologise. I'm not feeling very in control of my emotions, I tell her. That was just the wrong thing to say, she tells me. I know. Within minutes we're laughing again, but every now and then tears will run down my cheeks. It's never too far from the surface these days. An addendum. I'm currently in the weaning on, weaning off period that happens when you switch antidepressant medication, which I know has a lot to do with how I've been feeling. Knowing that this sadness is medication induced doesn't make me feel any less sad, but I guess it makes me feel like I might not be sad sometime soon, and that's comforting. It helps me to write it down sometimes. It might help you too. If you ever want to trade sadness stories, just reply to this email and let it all out. I swear. It's very cathartic.